You're listening to the Forefront Church Sermon Podcast. Forefront Church is a progressive Christian community more interested in asking good questions than having all the right answers. Thanks for listening. everyone. My name is Reverend Vinita Rodman Jenkins. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I'm one of the uh, co-pastors of Teaching and Community, and it is indeed an honor and privilege to be able to share today's sermon with you in our third week of Advent. We will be talking about sowing joy. So, how's everybody feeling during this holiday season? So, so, thumbs up, thumbs down. I see some hands going like this. Okay, so, if you had to create a meme to describe how you're feeling, what would it be? And let me help you out today. First off, are you so freaking excited about the holiday season? I don't know. I, I don't hear too many. Okay. What about, are you hypnotized by the holiday music? The songs, the Christmas carols every time you walk into a store. Or, let's be real, do you have holiday fatigue? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like I can relate to all of these. What about this one from the Peanuts? Christmas is coming, I'm not happy, and I don't feel the way I'm supposed to feel. I can raise my hand for that one. And maybe this is because of a host of different things. Maybe we're dealing with some effects of what's happening globally, the wars, victimization. Maybe we're struggling with SAD or seasonal affect disorder. It's a type of depression that is seasonal, right? Maybe you're dealing with loneliness during this holiday season. I mean, we're in New York City, it's bustling. People are coming from all over the world to visit New York City. There's lots to do. There are many activities taking place. However, with all of that happening, you may feel a sense of loneliness and no holiday cheer. Ellen Maise, a senior researcher who's a consultant with the Gallup Poll reported to CNN that almost a quarter of the world feels lonely of the world. This is a recent survey. Over half of adults, it's interesting, age 45 and older, reported not feeling lonely at all, while the majority of those younger than 45 answered that they felt at least a little lonely if not very or fairly lonely. This survey is an excellent reminder that loneliness is not just a problem of aging for those who are older. It's a problem that anyone at any age can be impacted by. 
With today's topic of sowing joy and trying to gauge where our forefront community is with regard to this season and what your emotions and feelings are like, I began to think about a couple of things. I began to think about music and I thought about the hip hop 50th anniversary that took place this year, okay? Right, so we're closing it out. And the funny thing is about uh, this whole hip hop genre, um, I feel like I kind of missed it because I grew up in a church that was not down with secular music at all, right? However, I started out with hip hop with uh, Rapper's Delight. That was the first one. And then I missed all the parties after that, okay? Um, but I'm trying to reclaim some of that for myself, right? So as I was preparing this sermon, I was thinking a lot about you know, uh, what Biggie Smalls happened to be maybe going through, through some of his Christmases, right? And he talks about this in one of his raps that we'll get to in a second. However, I was juxtaposing that or contrasting that with joy to the world, the Lord is come, right? For the next 15 days or so, the world will be singing joy to the world, the Lord is come, let earth receive her king, right? And we'll hear it in different um, versions. We'll hear it around the world with choirs, with soloists, right? However, we will hear that song in the shadows of many who are searching for room to live, with people searching for their freedom, with so many people searching for joy. So before Biggie hit his fame and stardom, he and his family were struggling. They, uh, he grew up in not far from here in Bed-Stuy, right? How many people live in Bed-Stuy now? It was a whole nother Bed-Stuy back then, all right? <laughs> However, before he came to fame, he talked about his life and some of his experiences. And he captures his struggle in one of his songs, Juicy, which actually was his first hit single. Now, I know Mary Obasi, Natasha, and Angela, a few people might be ready, maybe Todd, for this. I want my Forefront family to help me sing a few bars of Juicy. Now, this is going to be the Vanita version, let's be clear, all right? A few lines to really get us thinking about what some of the struggles could be during this particular holiday season. So I'm gonna get us, you know, started out. I hear it in my head. All right. Wait a minute, hold up, hold up, hold up, okay. We used to fuss when the landlord dissed us. No heat, wonder why Christmas missed us. Birthdays were the worst days. Now we sip champagne when we're thirsty. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. And if you don't know, now you know. Give yourselves a hand. <laughs> Whew, pretty good, Forefront, pretty good. All right. But, you know, what better way to pay homage to Brooklyn's own icon than by singing some of his raps during a morning church service, okay? But how can we allow the merriment of this season to infiltrate dimly lit spaces of hopelessness and despair? How can we sow joy in the midst of challenging situations? During Advent, we await the celebration of the arrival of Jesus, Christ's coming 
signifies joy entering the world. However, for some, this joy comes easy. For others, it's so hard. But no matter where we are on this spectrum of emotions, God gives us grace and holds space for us all, no matter the struggle. And I believe if we are struggling, we can sow joy by small transformative gestures that, cre that can create a positive shift in our life and the lives of others, even in the midst of loneliness and despair. I wonder if Elizabeth, in the book of Luke, felt lonely, stressed, or disoriented when she was told that she and her husband, Zachariah, would bear a child in their late years, in their post-child bearing years. It seemed that throughout this entire time, her partner wasn't even able to talk to her. He was only able to communicate through sign language. Let's read together, starting with verse 19. The angel answered him, I am Gabriel, the one who always stands ready before God. He sent me to talk to you and to tell you this good news. Now listen, you will not be able to talk until the day when these things happen. You will lose your speech because you did not believe what I told you. But everything I said will really happen. Elizabeth probably had some joy and excitement. However, I wonder if this expectant joy that a parent experiences was compromised because of Zachariah's inability to verbally communicate with her. Many of us, I'm sure, can relate to some form of joy being diminished. Similarly, I wonder if her relative, Mary, felt anxiety and stress over the news that she would be pregnant with a child as well, even though she had never known a man and the child that was inside of her was not from her fiancé but from the Holy Spirit. The angel, in the midst of all of this, told her not to be afraid. Have you ever experienced something that should bring joy but it's hard to be positive because of competing life challenges? The scripture reads, listen, you will become pregnant and have a baby boy. You will name him Jesus. He will be great. People will call him the son of the most high God and the Lord God will make him king like his ancestor David. A short time later, Mary hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. She went to, into Zechariah's home where she greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, her baby moved within her. The Holy Spirit came upon Elizabeth. Then in a loud voice, she said to Mary, God has blessed you more than any other woman. He has also blessed the child you will have. Why should the mother of my Lord come to me? As soon as I heard your greeting, my baby became happy and moved within me. The Lord has blessed you because you believed that he will keep his promise. And then it goes into 
what's known as the Magnificant, which is Mary's song of praise, and two verses from her song, verses 46 and verses 47. Mary said, with all my heart, I praise the Lord, and I am glad because of God, my Savior. These two women, Mary and Elizabeth, called to nurture God's dreams, both answered the call, as precarious and unexpected as their situations were. One bearing a child in her old age and the other becoming pregnant before marriage. These things could have, read, could have been every reason to defer God's dream or have their joy diminished. Civil rights activist Ruby Sales writes this about Mary. What's up with Mary? What does she, a poor adolescent, unwed mother, whom the Roman Empire and her community pressed down to the lowest rung on the social ladder have to sing about? Why would she thank God and celebrate the coming of a new child in a world colonized by the Romans? We expect Mary to sing a blues song with all of this happening. Mary, however, says yes, yes, to carrying and birthing God's dream. Mary's song wells up in her as joy because she feels deeply connected to Elizabeth, young woman to older woman, experiencing a deep connection through their bodies, their divine bodies that have been chosen by God to bear children who will change the course of history the fulfillment of God's dream. How can we sow joy, even small seeds, which can yield enormous returns? Often, we think of joy as a big, full emotion. But what if joy, like seeds, start small? What are some small actions that can help us cultivate joy. Michelle Obama, in her book, The Light We Carry, Overcoming in Uncertain Times, says this. It's these small rearrangements that help us untangle the bigger knots. It's the just because practices that feed our soil. Small victories, I found, can also accumulate. One little boost often begets another. One act of balance creates more. We can steer ourselves by degree toward greater action and impact, sometimes just by trying one new thing, completing one seemingly insignificant task. The touch and the engagement the boost that these two women experienced brought joy, brought transformation. Have you ever had this type of transformation or encounter with someone you know or even a stranger? I've actually had some recent visits where I felt this transformation 
and where others that I've had the opportunity to connect with felt the transformation as well and felt the joy just by being connected. Todd and I had the opportunity to visit one of our friends. She recently turned 85. So when she was 80, we attended a dance party with her at a club in Times Square when she turned 80 five years ago. So we went by her house to hang out with her. We surprised her. She was thrilled. And uh, we had prayer with her and just really had a beautiful time. And we left floating because we really had no idea that small, so we thought, visit would bring us so much joy. Similarly, we were uh, at Todd's family home in South Jersey, not far from Atlantic City, and we were just driving around, running errands or something pretty insignificant, and Todd said, hey, let's go by my dad's friend's house. Dad's, uh, Todd's dad passed away several years ago, uh, but he wanted to visit his friend. And we walked in, they embraced us, we sang together, we prayed together, and once again, we left feeling so uplifted and so fulfilled, and it was something unexpected. But we felt so much joy from that small connection. As many of you know, uh, Todd and I had the opportunity to uh, run a half marathon in, in Martha's Vineyard back in May, and Angela was able to come with us and cheer us on. And a couple of other friends came up from Connecticut, and we experienced such a beautiful time. Now, there, this was a group of people who had experienced loss. Husband, father, son, mother. However, this special time was a time of healing, rejuvenation, and upliftment, and revitalization. And we experienced so much joy on the island during our stay. And we needed that boost. We needed that healing. I was traveling for a training last month, and I was on the plane, and I hadn't quite paid attention to this one particular flight attendant, but they happened to be walking up the aisle. And I saw him, it was, I was pretty much seeing him for the first time, or having that interaction with him for the first time. He wasn't one who greeted me when I got on the plane. And he was coming past me, and he was giving out drinks or snacks or whatever, and he looks at me and he goes, you want a beer? And I'm like, no, it's okay. He goes, come on, come on, come on, let me give you beer, let me give you beer. And I'm like, no, it's okay, I don't really drink beer, I don't really like beer. And he's like, okay, okay, no problem. And then I remembered what my naturopath said. My naturopath said, Vanita, red wine is good for you. So I looked at him and I said, you know, wanting to listen to my naturopath, I looked at him and I said, excuse me, do you have red wine? And he goes, mm, I'm sorry, we don't have any red wine. I said, okay, it's all right. So I kept journaling, and then he comes back, and he goes, I found the red wine. And I was like, oh, thank you. So I was getting off the plane, and I was, as I was walking past this flight attendant, he looked at me and he said, it was so wonderful to have you with us today. And he gave me so much joy. Again, we hadn't really had any type of connection, I was so uplifted, and I just felt like he was such an angel in that moment. And I was so grateful to God for this stranger who had lifted my spirits in this way. Swiss Reformed theologian Karl Barth says this, Joy is the simplest form of gratitude. 
The light we carry is how we overcome in uncertain times. Deep and meaningful relationships can come and go. However, the richness of those one-time events may last a lifetime. Now, to be honest, I'm not sure how often Mary and Elizabeth got together after that encounter that I shared about, but that encounter really brought about renewal and change. That encounter was the moment, was the experience. I feel like no matter where we are in life, no matter what stage we are from cradle, cradle to our elder years, our connection to other human beings is so important. And even our connection to animals and nature can bring us a great sense of meaning and satisfaction. They can help us feel grounded. They can give us peace. These connections can help stimulate creativity. They can help keep us well. I was a psychology major, and I remember learning about connection, particularly as it relates to newborn babies and how important it is to touch them and how it helps with the brain development and other forms of development as it relates to that growing and developing child. All throughout life, there are benefits to contact, to touch, even into our senior years. Hugs, holding hands, and other physical gestures of affection, even sex, have the potential to ease our minds, to make us feel less isolated, to help us sleep better, lower blood pressure, improve self-esteem, and reduce stress and anxiety. We can sow seeds of joy through a touch, a card, a visit, through some form of connection. The senior pastor of the Congregational Church in Exeter, New Hampshire, Emily C. Heath, says these words. Here's what I think. I think it's easy to be joyless in this world. It's simple. It doesn't take much effort. You can put others down. You can dwell in hopelessness. The best part is that if you lack joy, you don't even have to do anything constructive. You can just dwell in it. But it is a whole lot harder to rejoice. Why? Because joy is so hard. Now, that may sound like an oxymoron. Joy is joy. Shouldn't joy be easy? I don't think so, because I think joy is something deeper than that. But that also means that it's rooted, and it's the thing that remains in you even when everything else around you is crumbling down. It has been said by many, in many different ways, that joy is resistance. That is especially true in the worst of days. I believe that we can continue to support each other in our worst of days as we continue to connect with each other. I leave us today with some practical suggestions. A Christmas to-do list. So with this list, I would encourage us all to think about ways to move beyond the struggles, the challenges, to embrace joy with this list. So instead of buying presents, why not be present? 
And instead of wrapping gifts, why not wrap someone in a hug? Instead of sending gifts, why not send peace? Instead of shopping for food, why not donate food? And instead of seeing the lights, why not be the light? Psalm 16 and 11 says, You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. You know, I didn't have the opportunity to share who my favorite character was, holiday character was, but it's the girl from the original version of Miracle on 34th Street. If you remember the last scene, she wanted a house, but she didn't believe she was going to get a house. That was on her Christmas list for Santa. And as they were driving to the house, she was sitting in the back seat, and she said, I believe, I believe, it's silly, but I believe. And when she got to the house, she was overjoyed. And as it relates to joy during this season, I'm sure for many of us, the struggle is real. But I would encourage us, even in the midst of all of that, to continue to say, I believe joy will come. I believe, it seems silly, given everything that's going down, but I believe, because God is faithful to her promises, and God will continue to see us through. And the people of God said, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to the Forefront Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Forefront and how we're ushering in the next 500 years of Christianity, visit ForefrontChurch.com.